0: We continue in our journey through John chapter 9. Today we look at verses 24 through 34. Beginning of the chapter, Jesus and the disciples are walking along and they come upon a man born blind. And Jesus is the only one who truly sees him. And Jesus heals him, invites the man to participate in his own healing as he Spits in the ground, makes mud, touches the man's eyes. The man goes to the pool to wash off and he can see. His neighbors do not understand what's going on. The Pharisees certainly are alarmed that this man has been healed, especially on the Sabbath by Jesus. Last week we saw where his even his parents were not willing to fully embrace all that God was doing through Jesus as they were unwilling to Fully defend or be present with their son, as the Pharisees interrogated them him, and now today we are back to where the Pharisees are talking to the man born blind once again, trying to get him to call Jesus a sinner, beginning with verse twenty four so for the second time, the Pharisees called the man who had been blind, and they said to him, "Give glory to God, we know that this man is a sinner He answered. I do not know whether he is a sinner. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. They said to him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I have told you already and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? Then they reviled him, saying, you are his disciples, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. The man answered, here is an astonishing thing. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but he does listen to one who worships him and obeys his will. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a person born blind, If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered him, You were born entirely in sins, and are you trying to teach us? And they drove him out. Would you pray with me, please? Lord, as we ponder the testimony of the man born blind who received his sight from Jesus and as we ponder his conflict with the Pharisees, we pray that you would help us, each of us, to see the power of sin that lives within inside of us. We pray that you would help us to see the particular sins that emerge in our behavior as a result of that power. And We pray that you would help us to see the victory over sin that Jesus won for us on the cross, and that you would help us to see our particular sins so that we may confess them and bring them into the light repent and receive by your spirit the power to live more faithful lives it is in Jesus name that we pray Amen. our house is on a hill and the backyard slopes down and as it begins to slope down there is a tree uh, about 20 feet away from the house, and, and the, it, it's a beautiful, beautiful tree. And as the trunk rises and as the branches fill out, it comes up to about roof level for the house. But, but from our kitchen, through the window, as we sit at the kitchen table, we can see right into the heart of the, of the branches as, as they are at their fullest. And, and as they uh, shield us and as they watch over, as they stand sentry, over our house. Well, uh, as you know, uh, trees with uh, with leaves, they fall in the autumn and they are bare, the branches are bare until spring. And so uh, when the uh, leaves fell down back in November or so, when the tree was completely without its leaves, I noticed that there was a foreign object in the branches. And it was right at eye level as we were sitting in the kitchen, as I look out from the kitchen. But it, because the tree is down below us, there was no way I could get up into the tree to get rid of this thing, this foreign object that it had attached itself to our tree. How dare this thing do so and disrupt our view? The thing that I'm talking about. Anybody use plastic bags when you go to the grocery store? Yeah, yeah. They're, I guess they're convenient, but when they get out, watch out. The wind will take them and blow them anywhere and everywhere. And somehow, some way, uh, either from our house or from a neighbor, someone had uh, let a, a bag, plastic bag, loose in the neighborhood. Thankfully, it was only one, at least one in our tree. And the wind had taken it up and had attached the, the bag had attached itself to this branch. And it doesn't matter how windy a day it is, that bag stays put. It clings. It has a grip. It has a stranglehold on the branch. Now, here's what I'm very curious to see. Soon we will not be able to see that bag because the leaves will be back. But come November... I'm guessing that that bag is still going to be there when the leaves are gone. I'm counting. I'm looking forward to seeing that. The Bible talks about a power at loose in the world. And this power clings to this world. And it gets inside each of us, and it takes root, and there is nothing we can do to rid ourselves of this power. In one sense, it's too high, it's beyond our reach. In another sense, its hold is too tight, and even if we could get to it, we couldn't release the grip of this power. The Bible calls this power sin, let's think of it with a capital S, capital S, sin, a power at work in the world, working against the purposes of God, working against all that God dreams for creation, working against all that God dreams for human beings. God desires humanity to flourish. To respond to the one in whom we live and move and have our being. To love one another with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And to worship our Creator. And this power called SIN, capital S, is at work in the structures and institutions. And in the, the ways of the world in various cultures. And this power called SIN, capital S, is at work in each of us. The good news of the gospel that we reflect upon every day of our lives, but especially during the season of Lent, is that somehow, way, in ways far beyond what we will ever be able to fully define or grasp or understand, it's a mystery we seek to understand, but most of all we embrace it by faith, somehow, way, on the cross, Jesus took within himself the power of sin along with our individual sins and he on the cross defeated the power of sin absorbing it into his very flesh and when God raised him from the dead on the third day death was defeated the power of sin was defeated we were set free creation was set in motion so that it could one day when Jesus returns Fully experience all of God's dreams for creation, for humanity, for all of us. When we embrace Jesus by faith, we receive his forgiveness, we receive, we participate in his victory over over sin, his victory over death. Now, we're talking about sin, capital S, that abides within us. It's already been defeated by Jesus on the cross. We will not not fully experience its defeat until we are with Christ, until we see Him as He is. So until that day, we wrestle with that power within us which manifests itself, itself in particular sins. Small s, plural, sins. Any time, any thought, any word, any action that fails to reflect The love that God has for us and the love that God calls us to show for others is a sinful thought, word, or action. During the season of Lent, we ponder the power of the cross to defeat the power of sin, capital S, in our lives. But we also seek to see those particular sins that are produced in us every day. We try to see the ways in which our thoughts and our words and our actions fail to glorify God, fail to advance God's purposes, fail to reflect the love of God. And we seek to see these sins so that we confess them, so that we can confess them and bring them into the light and so that God through the Holy Spirit can can change us and make us more faithful. The Pharisees cannot see their sins. They cannot see sin, capital S, and sin, small s, in their lives. They are so focused on maintaining their own power, so focused on living the way that they have devised through their law-keeping and obsession with the law, that they cannot see the ways in which they are sinfully blind to the work of God among them through Jesus. And so, as we've seen throughout this passage, they they bring in the man born blind who has been healed by Jesus to help them out of their dilemma. In our part of the passage today, they're, they're wanting the blind man to say that Jesus is a sinner. They're wanting the man born blind to... to Cast that stone to take that job away from the Pharisees so that they have that evidence that they need to conclude that yes, they are right, that Jesus is a sinner. You ever do that? You try to get someone else to say something to prove that you're right, that's what they're doing. And the man born blind who's been healed by Jesus is not falling for it. It's so let's let's hear this again. How it just it's beautiful. Give glory to God, the Pharisees say, say this man is a sinner. And he says, I do not know whether he is a sinner. He, he doesn't take the bait. He doesn't play the game. He doesn't go along with what the Pharisees are trying to do. Notice the confidence of the Pharisees. We know Jesus is a sinner. Notice the humility of the man born blind who has been healed. I do not know. And then notice the testimony of the blind man. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. First, he displays the humility the Pharisees lack. Second, instead of making an argument, he offers a testimony. Instead of entering a theological debate, he shares a personal story. He doesn't answer yes or no to the Pharisees' question. He tells them what Jesus has done for him. And in the process, he does not obey the Pharisees' command. Instead, he gives glory to God. He shifts the command. They say give glory to God by saying that Jesus is a sinner. He gives glory to God by testifying to what Jesus has done for him. By saying that Jesus has given him his sight. And so this interaction continues for the rest of the passage. The Pharisees pushing and then cursing the man. The man continuing to give glory simply by speaking truthfully and authentically about how he has experienced the love and the presence of Jesus. And then the passage ends in verse 34 with the Pharisees essentially saying the same thing about the man that they wanted him to say about Jesus. They say he is a sinner and they throw him out of the synagogue they think that they see sin so clearly in Jesus and in the man he healed but they are completely blind to the sin capital S in their hearts and to the sins that they commit each day let's apply this passage to our lives let's look first at the Pharisees and then we'll look at the man born blind who's been healed by Jesus the Pharisees first the intensity with which they look for sin in others is not necessarily a bad thing. It's just misdirected. They need to be looking with intensity towards sin in their own hearts and in their own lives. Now, we, each of us, face that same temptation. Maybe we should ask ourselves, put it in the form of a question. Do we look for sin in others with more intensity than we look for sin in our own heart? The example of the Pharisee says, look within, take your sins seriously because the power of sin is so great in each of us. What we want to do is to take their intensity in looking for sin and focus it on ourselves, examining the ways we fall short of God's glory, seeing our sins so that we can bring our sins to God in confession and repentance, and receiving forgiveness and the grace to live more faithfully. Now, it is not the case, I believe, that we have to confess with great specificity every sin in order to be forgiven. No one of us could ever do that. I don't believe any one of us could possibly ever see all of our sins in order to confess them let me say that differently you and I sin in ways that we have no idea we are sinning the only one who can fully know your sins and mine is God we are too good at deceiving ourselves we are not spiritually mature enough if we have to confess every single sin in order to be forgiven. We have then made confession a work, and forgiveness becomes dependent upon our ability to confess specifically, instead of upon what Jesus has done for us on the cross. So, let, so, so, specifically confessing sins as as much in detail as we can is not about receiving forgiveness. We've already received that on the cross. But that doesn't mean we don't seek to confess our specific sins. It seems to me that we seek to examine ourselves as closely and as intensely as we possibly can to name our sins, not to show how bad we are, not to prove anything to God, not to receive anything from God, but we bring them to the light so that we can see them and deal with them through the power of the Holy Spirit. If we cannot see our sinfulness, the specific sins of our lives, then we cannot deal with it through the power of the Holy Spirit. So we confess our sins as exactly as we can in order to grow in the power of the Spirit. Uh, several years ago, my shoulder was was hurting, right shoulder. I couldn't identify, couldn't remember, uh, Whether I had hurt it playing basketball or or doing something else, more than likely I had hurt it while, hurt my shoulder, right shoulder while driving, and then quickly reaching back to disrupt a fight that was taking place in the back seat. I'm thinking that's probably what happened. I don't advise that for safe driving, but you know how it goes. I mean, you just can't help it. It's just that instinct. Well, I had a doctor's appointment set up to examine my shoulder and I knew that in order for the doctor to make a proper diagnosis, in order for the doctor to help me in my pain, I had to be able to describe that pain as exactly as possible. I had to be able to say, it hurts when I do this, it doesn't hurt when I do that. When I do this and it hurts, here's how it hurts. It feels like it hurts right here. And in order to be ready for that doctor's visit, I needed to take several days to, to, to examine. All right, it hurt then, it didn't hurt then. And to make note of that. And then to, to share that information with my doctor. I think the same thing applies to our battle with sins in our lives. We need to be able to see them, to see their impact on, them, on us, so that we can then ask God through the Holy Spirit, To help us to correct that sinful behavior, to move beyond it, to repent of it, to not be bound by it. We must not be like the Pharisees, who, instead of intensely looking in their own hearts for their own sins, they were focused on the sins in others. Instead, we examine our hearts and our lives not to receive forgiveness specifically for those sins, we receive forgiveness because of the cross of Christ but to name our sins and see them so that God can help us move past them. Let's end our journey from this passage not looking at the Pharisees, though, but looking at the man who was born blind who can now see. Next week, we'll look through the entire passage and see that he has been, from the beginning, on a journey of, first of all, receiving his physical sight, and then next week we'll see how he receives... Fully a spiritual sight, able to to name and, and see Jesus for who he is. He's close today in our passage. Next week, he'll arrive. But in terms of our ability to see our own sin, let's look at him now. He says in verse 25, I know this, I was blind and now I can see. I was blind, but now I can see. Some of us have been following Jesus a long time. And so we've had a lot of years of spiritual sight. The blind man, I think, says to us, might be saying to us, not to take for granted spiritual sight. And to remember, if we can say with him, I know this, I was blind and now I can see. To remember that sin still lives in our hearts. It still clouds our vision. And so even if we sense that we have had this kind of spiritual sight, being able to see our sins for a long time, we keep asking Jesus for fresh eyes, the fresh eyes of the healed man to say with him, I was blind, but now I see. Some of us have been following Jesus for a long time, so we've had a lot of years of spiritual sight. Some of us are seeing our sins clearly and seeing Jesus clearly for the first time or for the first time in a long time. There's a renewal of our faith and a clarity of our vision. There perhaps is a deeper connection with the blind man who can now see and says, I was blind, but now I have my sight. There's a fresh expression of our faith for some of us. We're seeing sins in us that we've never seen before, which by the way is often one of the reasons that we hesitate to follow Jesus because we know intuitively that if we follow Jesus, we'll be able to see some sins that we'd rather not be able to see for those of us in this season of seeing for the first time or the first time in a long time it's a season of growth and I encourage you encourage us to keep celebrating with the healed man and to say to ourselves and others and to God I was blind but now I can see the healed man is almost there almost ready to cross into the life of faith we'll see him do it next week but some of us today are not almost there in fact Some of us are far from God. It may be because of disinterest. It may be because of a hardness of heart. It may be all manner of things. And if that's where you are today, let the testimony, let the life of this man born blind who could now see seep into you. Let it take root. Open yourselves to the power of the loving power of the Spirit so that you too can say with the man born blind, I was blind, but now I see. And then some of us today are right where the healed man is in this passage. We're almost at that point of faith. We've seen how wonderful Jesus is and we're beginning to see sins in our lives, but we're also seeing how much Jesus loves us and how much he wants to forgive forgive us. And if that's where you are today, I hope you won't wait any longer. Place your trust in Jesus. Place your faith in Jesus. Let Him forgive you, change you, energize you, give you life. Let Him enable you to see. I was blind. Let Him enable you to say, I was blind. But now I see